Well, good morning to you. Some of you are sort of awake and some not so much. I saw a couple of Tim Horton's cups of coffee and those looked really tempting. Although Wes makes a real mean cappuccino and uh, uh, caramel macchiato is my favorite that he makes. I don't even know if Wes drinks coffee. I don't think he does, but he does really well cooking it. But you know, as Jennifer was up there announcing our day camp, um, leading right now in the pandemic, whatever role you're in, my best description I can give to you is you're riding a horse target shooting and there's a speeding train going by with a target on it. And that's kind of what leading today's been like and you don't hit the target very much. And I feel like that after the year. So Jennifer even sharing with me, I think it was last week or the week before, I asked her, so what's this going to be like to pull off? And she said, well, normally I have six months to pull things together. I just have a few weeks. And uh, so please don't contemplate too long if you want to help. And if you're watching online, uh, please contact Jennifer and let her know you're able to help. And if you're watching on Eastlink, same thing. Uh, we could use some help. But more than anything, as she said, please pray. And let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray for our, our uh, kids camp, our day camp that's coming up. God, would you help us pull it together? And uh, I, I, you know, we, we kind of don't even know what to expect for numbers this year. Normally we have over 300 children, but I don't know, we're going to have 100? Uh, that'd be worth it. Uh, I know, Father, that this is such a powerful opportunity to reach out to our neighborhood, to reach out and say we love you. Here's some really fun stuff to learn, uh, fun stuff to hang out together. And oh God, would you just draw them? Would you bring them? And would many of them get saved? And would you bring us volunteers? There may be somebody listening or watching or uh, whatever. And I just pray, God, that you would bring the 50-plus people that Jennifer needs. And Father, as we go into your word now, would you just bring an anointing? I need your Holy Spirit because, honestly, God, it's real clear that without you, I am nothing. You are incredible. Less of me, more of you. Uh, would you just come and be here? In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So just if you're watching online, um, just at the very end of the message, we will be doing communion together. And uh, so you can go get some juice and a piece of bread and be ready for that. And uh, you can even pause me online if you want to do that. Don't you love that, that I talk to you live and then I talk to others online? Ah, oh, what a world. I'd have never known. I mean, I saw the TV preachers, which I didn't like many of them. And uh, so I don't even like to think that we're doing TV preaching here. But I guess in essence it is. But uh, just, just do. Keep praying. Keep praying. Uh, if there's anything I've figured out lately, is there is a seismic shift going on in our society's thinking. Although I went up to my family yesterday at a wedding I had to perform, it was outdoors, all legal in BC. And uh, yeah, I, there's been a huge shift, but my family were still behaving like they always have. And as a church that is passionate about outreach, that cares about the loss, both here in Grand Prairie and around the world, we must listen to God. 
I love listening to podcasts. I like reading different things, different great minds out there in the Christian world that really give me insight. How do I reach Harry and Mary? That's generic for non-Christian, don't go to church people. How do I reach them? And I can tell you that right now there's a lot of kind of opinions and it has become super clear that we as a church, but even more, you and me as individuals, as we're rubbing shoulders with people in this world, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit's leading. Because honestly, I don't know what to tell you to say. I can tell you what the Word says and all the stuff it can help you with, but I don't know how to reach them right now. There's just a, an incredible seismic thinking shift going on. Harvey Michalis, who's our uh, national office, I think he's got the word missionary recruiter or something. Uh, he writes a little blog once in a while, and I, I cut out some of it because it would probably make you mad, and uh, you can go online and probably find him. But he wrote something about this seismic shift that I think is really good. And, and, and by the way, when I talk about the changes, I'm not talking about just the pandemic, although Harvey zeroes in on that. I think the world is just changing really fast. So, so listen to Harvey, and here's what he writes about the pandemic. He says, we are being pruned. The gift of God to the church via this pandemic just may be that we are learning what it means to remain in Christ beyond the structures of corporate church. Attendees whose faith was depended on are held together by church life, rituals, and habits have either, number one, fallen away because the structures were removed, or number two, matured into a deeper life with, the, with Christ apart from those structures. And I don't know where you're at, but I have actually, I think, witnessed both in the church. And again, the stuff that I read online says that there could be anywhere from 10 to 20% of our church won't come back when this is over. And for various reasons. But for some of us, the pandemic, the structures removed, and you had a good, solid, abiding faith in Christ. In other words, you were connecting, you were listening, and I hope you... Uh, would be willing to take hearing God in the fall if you don't know what I'm talking about or would go to one of our set freeze, which is really good. And you may be one of those people that the, the pandemic didn't even trip you up. It didn't even make you miss a beat. You just kept abiding in Christ. You kept connecting with Jesus. You would go online and watch and listen. You would, you would connect up with your home group or life group, online, whatever. You would go out to a park and meet you. Didn't skip a beat. But for some of us where our faith was kind of really just become really skinny, and it was really just based upon the ritual of attending church and going through the motions. When that structure was removed, I have heard it said by a lot of people, I don't miss church. You see, I have a theory, and I believe it's biblical, that if you are abiding in Christ, if you are connecting with the Father through Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you will come to church because the Holy Spirit will tell you to be here. Ephesians 4 is really clear that we won't grow without each other. 
But for some, that it was just a ritual thing, they were barely hanging by a thread. What little faith they had if it was even faith is gone. And that just breaks my heart. If we are not, listen to this really carefully, if we are not Holy Spirit driven or if our structures aren't changing to the Holy Spirit's leading, then we are in danger personally and corporately of stagnation. Now we've been focusing on Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You can never separate those two things. The early church, as you know, didn't have structure, didn't have corporation, didn't even have buildings. But they grew in leaps and bounds. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the filled with the Holy Spirit means a, a, an intimate relationship where, where God is leading you, God is talking to you. And, and you know, uh, I think I'm learning better and better. And, and even the other day, my wife wanted me to go look at this used chair. Uh, we've been looking for a chair, but in the pandemic, you can't buy anything anywhere. And she wanted me to go look. And I, and I went into the house. I didn't like the chair. And I'm driving away, and I went, you wanted me to leave the money there, didn't you, God? And, and I didn't hear anything, and I wasn't sure. But you see, God, if he leads us in those things, if, if we are hearing the Holy Spirit, if our personalities are growing and maturing and people are seeing it, you see, there's, there's nothing wrong with character flaws per se, but if you're stuck where your character flaws are, then that's a problem. We need this Holy Spirit filling, this Holy Spirit power, this, this intimacy, this leading, this connection, or we're doomed as a church. We can't rely on what was. We have to rely on what is going to be by the leading of the Holy Spirit, both you personally and us corporately as a church. In our text that Acts 1.8, we see the dynamic of God filling and transforming us by the Holy Spirit. And out of that transformation is a selfless desire to share Jesus. So this week, now I've had a weird devotional life in the last year. It's the pandemic. I'll blame it on that. I, I generally just go through the whole Bible. I have done it for years. But lately what I've been doing, and it's been kind of fun, and I just got the idea one day, is wherever my, so I generally use, I have about three or four electronic devices, and I'm always opening up my Bible and looking up different verses. So whatever device I have, I decide whatever verse I was last looking at, I'm going to look at that one. I'm going to study that one. And sometimes it's really fun if you get into the genealogies or, or whatever, some of the really kind of tough texts. But, but that's what I've been doing. So the elders lately have been going through the book of Hebrews when we're praying Tuesday mornings. <clears throat> and uh, so I started in the book of Hebrews a few weeks ago, and I've been stuck there. And so in my devotions, I'm reading Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 5. And in the book of Hebrews, as, as you read through it, when you, you read chapter 1, it's a bit of a greeting. Chapter 2, Paul gives a warning. And, and I want to just read that warning to you. Chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay the most careful attention therefore to what we have heard, now listen to this, so that we do not drift away. That is the theme of the entire book of Hebrews, by the way. 
It's about focusing on Jesus and nothing else. It's about focusing on Jesus and nothing else. So you get to chapter four and five and uh, the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about the priest in Israel, that he would come and bring offerings to God, you know, and there was lambs and sheep and different things like that. He would bring offerings to God, and it's interesting because the writer of Hebrews says, and he also brought offerings for himself. And because he actually brought offerings for himself, he really understood those for whom he was also offering stuff for. And then it starts talking about Jesus being the perfect sacrifice and being humble and submissive and and dying on the cross and, and raising on the third. I mean, it's just really powerful stuff. And then I got to chapter five, verse 11, and it real, this is where it really hit me personally. Chapter five, verse 11, we have much to say about this. He's just talked about the priests and he's talked about uh, going deeper in Christ. He, he, he talked about what Jesus came to do and the salvation that we get. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you. Now listen why. Because you no longer try to understand. And I went, I no longer, I mean, I read the scripture for me and I'm sitting there going, God, I no longer try to understand? Like, what does that mean? Where where does that go? Uh, Now, let me be clear. Drifting away from Jesus is seldom a sudden thought like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Or I didn't like the way the lighting was and I'm out of here. Or whatever you might come up with that you think people or yourself have decided to walk away. I want to be really clear that drifting is a, gentle, slow wandering away from the faith. Generally, walking away from your faith or having a crisis of faith is usually death by a thousand cuts. Do you know what I mean by that? It's a a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Now, I'll give you a little bit of story in my own personal life. Now, I was, uh, I started really following Jesus in grade 10, came to Christ a few years earlier. So I started attending church. I've told you before, I was a cute girl. That's why I started going. All the wrong reasons. Uh, she rejected me right away, in fact. But I kept going to church and because uh, I got hooked. I just loved to hear and find out about Jesus. And then so after grade 11, I decided I, I'd really started connecting with God well. Felt God calling me to be a camp counselor at Camp Sagatow at Moberly Lake. And I want to tell you, that summer is still one of the highlights of my life. I mean, here's why it was a highlight. So I had to get up at 7 a.m., whether the kids were awake or not, they usually were. And I had to go meet with all the other counselors, and they would have other people kind of watching the kids. And we read some scripture, and we prayed together. That was beautiful. And then at 10 o'clock, there was chapel. Got to hear from the Word of God. And then in the afternoon, chapel again. And then in the evening, chapel again. Then the kids were to bed and I had to teach them some word of God. And this is the sweet part. We had an hour off in the afternoons from two to three o'clock and we were told, take your Bible, go somewhere and meet with God. 
I remember I would go into the boathouse. I'd go upstairs. It overlooked the, uh, it was an old rickety broken down boathouse at the time. It overlooked the lake and man, did I have sweet time. I mean, those two months. Now, if you've been a camp counselor, it's morning, noon, and night. You're exhausted. You never get to sleep. But I was spiritually on cloud nine. I was, I was just in the best. September comes. Grade 12. I'm like, I'm on fire for Jesus. I go to the church and I become president of the youth group. I started teaching grade one Sunday school. I got a job 20 hours a week at Sears. I was going to church every Sunday. The youth pastor started mentoring me every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. It, it was going okay. But I want to tell you one thing that kind of slipped off. I no longer was reading my Bible on my own. Yeah, I was doing the work for the discipleship. It was a little bit of work, half an hour of work a week. But I no longer was hearing God. I no longer was connecting with him. So by November, the youth pastor resigns, leaves town. That's gone. So there goes the structure. And about the end of November, a friend of mine comes up to me and says, hey, you want to come to a party? And you've probably heard me say that was the choice that led to five months, what I call horror in my life. It was from cloud nine, Camp Segatawa, to doing the whole party world thing, and I hit rock bottom by February. I was down low. It was awful. I mean, I had the Holy Spirit in me, and I knew what it was to be in Jesus. I knew what it was to experience a, a healthy soul, and I was going down. And I can ask you the question, so was it the going to the party? I mean, you could say, and I've often said, yeah, that was a horrible decision I made to go to that party. But where did it really begin? Where did the drift start? And for a lot of us, the drift starts because our own times with God, it's really easy to stop doing that and fake the rest, go to church, even go through a mentoring class. I mean, I learned, I, I used to, when I first pastored for the first couple of years, I was so overwhelmed. All I ever did was just study for my sermon. I didn't have a personal devotional life. And then all of a sudden, I can't remember if I read it or what it was. I went, no, I got to feed me too. And I'm glad I figured that early in life because about seven, eight years ago, I started, why did I stay in ministry? And you know why? It's because I abide with Jesus. And I want to tell you, since... Uh, Holy Spirit weekends, soul care. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of steps in the last five years. Church renewal. I have grown so much deeper in Jesus. I have reclaimed what I had at Camp Segatau. It's been beautiful. In fact, as I'm driving to Fort St. John Friday night, and I'm listening to the secular radio stations, and I could pick up Reach FM and Dawson and then Fort St. John, but when you get in between... As I was driving there, I, I was just feeling this. I'm going to see my family. So the memories, the pull, the hunger to be what I was, was there. And I can tell you that in that moment, I remember thinking, I am, because the Holy Spirit began to speak to me then. Scriptures began to come. Songs came. And I went, you know what? It's getting so clear to me now. What abiding in Christ, what, what connecting with Jesus, what Holy Spirit living is. Because honestly, I can see how you can just drift away. How pandemic comes along, no more church, you're gone. But are you going to be the one? Am I going to be the one? That we actually go deeper in Jesus in these times.
So Hebrews pulls it all home in verse 12. However, I want to warn you that the truth hurts a lot. Hebrews chapter uh, 5 verse 12 says, In fact, let me just get a little drink. In fact, now they've drifted away. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Listen to this really close. You need milk, not solid food. So this week, (coughs) I asked a few people the question, what do you think milk is? I mean, he kind of says it. It's just the elementary teachings of Jesus. One person said to me, but I won't reveal the name because it was, you know, it was, it's pretty crass what they said. And, and uh, I'm like, you think I should say that? And if I told you it was, you'd be a little surprised. But I'm going to tell you what she's, oh, I almost revealed it, what she said. She said, they're eating food that other people have prepared and they're little sucks. And I'm going, ooh, that's pretty pretty snarky and nasty. Are you sure I should say that? Yeah, I think you should say that. So, produced by somebody else, and it's implying that you're a suck. A great church, friends, is important. Listening to great preaching is important. God does and can speak to you through great preaching on the internet, whatever you're doing. But we must spend time alone with God. We need to be walking in the Spirit. We need to be always monitoring what's going on in our head, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and letting God speak to us like the thing where I started wondering, well, should I have left my money there, not taken the chair? I mean, they were pretty destitute. I could tell their house had nothing in it. I mean, there was nothing there. Why didn't I just quickly, by the Holy Spirit, leave the money there? We need to be walking in the Spirit. It has become super clear to me that most of us like ritual more than relationship. I do a lot of marriage counseling. And I have found that when a relationship in a marriage moves to roles and away from relationship, they're doomed. Let me explain. Roles are like I clean the bathroom, you make the bed. I buy the groceries, you cook the food. When that's all your marriage is, you gotta have relationship. So one of my goals when people come to me is I I try to get them talking. I, I start asking, what do you guys love doing together? Do you like holidays? Do you like camping? Do you like bowling? Whatever. You like kayaking? What, what, what do you do together where you can actually soul to soul connect, where you can talk? What, what time of day do you have in a day? Uh, my wife and I, it's when we go to bed, just before we go to sleep. Although I, I'll tell you, the older I get, I fall asleep really fast, really quick, and it's been a bit of a problem. But my wife and I, for years, we socially, emotionally connect just before we go to sleep. When do you connect with each other? And let me bring it back to the message now. When is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and when are you listening? I was just up visiting my family and I was reminded now, here's a character flaw that I'm going to confess to you and I do not want you to throw it back at me. I know I have a problem with this, but I talk over people all the time. I'm very aggressive in conversation. 
I'm listening to my family. I had this one relative. In fact, every time I opened my mouth, they just cut me off and went on. And, I, you know, they would say their opinion, and I was about to enter in a great dialogue, I thought, and they'd cut me off. They just talked over me and talked over me and talked over me. That's what we do with God all the time. Can you imagine? God's just sitting back. Oh, can, can I say a word here? Can, can I open up my mouth? Uh, you know, are you going to actually listen for, I mean, okay, I'm reading the word of God, and that's not bad. I said this to somebody this morning in the prayer group as we were praying. They go, yeah, so many times I'll read the Bible, and I'll get to the end, and I go, what in the world did it say? I'm just going through ritual there. I'm not even paying attention. What did God say to me? We just talk over God. We just get so aggressive. We tell God what we need and what he should do, and then we're up. We're gone. We need to have this Acts 1-8 thing filled with the Holy Spirit in intimacy and relationship. And then because we're being transformed and chained, our character is growing, we are witnesses. And maybe even with our mouth once in a while. The gospel is about being reconciled to God. It is not religion. So what is meat then? Let's keep reading on in verse 13 because... The writer of Hebrews goes on to explain a little bit better, and we'll see. What should we do? Verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. These are some of the deeper things of Christ. What is righteousness? I mean, let's break it down. Rightness. It's about our character. It's about growing. It's about developing. Yeah, I might talk over you, but I will tell you, if you'd met me 30 years ago, it was way worse. I'm growing in it. I, I, and I'm trying to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And you, you, You'd be surprised. I, I, I really think the Holy Spirit has some actor's voice sometimes because I hear the words, be quiet, be still. Sometimes it's even... Other words that I won't say because there's kids listening, but it's just be stop it, listen, and this is character growth. Character. This is righteousness. Verse fourteen. But solid food is for the mature. You're not a little suck. You're actually mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You have been walking in the spirit so close, so tight. You've been reading the word so much. You've been memorizing the scripture. And by the way, real good character development is, uh, you know, just ask your spouse, what's a character I could work on? Well, unless you're nasty and they're afraid to tell you, they'll probably tell you. They know right away. It's probably on the tip of their tongue. They're just waiting. So through church renewal, that was one of the exercises was I was supposed to ask my wife and she gave me some character flaws. I took some scripture verses, I began to memorize them, and I began to work on growing my character with the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I didn't put my feet on the ground without going, okay, God, I'm going to grow in these characters this week. I'm going to grow in my faith. I need your Holy Spirit. Uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then you will be my witnesses. A little aside, the world is really pushing its moral agenda. Uh, my wife and I, and this is going to shock you, and I'll explain why. We have Disney TV, Acorn right now, and TELUS. So we have all those channels. And you're going, wow, you must be really being infected by the world. No, I watch all those because my wife and I, by the way, we, we seldom ever watch TV alone. 
And here's the reason why, because if it's science fiction, I'll tend to tolerate a lot of stuff I shouldn't. Or if it's a really good detective show, she'll tolerate stuff she shouldn't. But we'll watch these shows, and don't you love it how the TV, like, there'll be this new series on the first episode's purely clean, entertaining, engaging, the characters are incredible. It's exactly what you like. Second episode, I mean, we just started watching this one, episode, this one series. Second episode, opening scene, nudity. And my wife and I, we both look at each other, cover each other's eyes. Okay, strike one. That's And sometimes we don't. Depends how bad it is. And uh, third episode, it went right off the charts. I was like, oh my goodness, like is this education time or is entertainment time? I don't know what it was. And it was so bad, we stopped watching that. Again, the Holy Spirit leading us, not letting garbage go in and garbage coming out. I, I had to tease my family because, uh, well, they all work in the oil field. So anybody work in the oil field here? Yeah, most of you. So do you sometimes struggle with swearing? <laughs> you hear it all the time. And I finally looked at them and said, can you guys like tone it down just a little bit? I'm not trying to be judgmental on you, but you're going to make, I'm going to be swearing in church on Sunday because it just gets in your head, right? We, we've got to be abiding in Christ. We've got to be in the word. We've got to let the Holy Spirit just reveal things, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So solid food. I honestly can see how a healthy church attracts people. Evangelism is done best by transformed people. You don't even have to evangelize because people, I mean, the scripture says always be ready to give an answer for the hope within. Well, why would even anybody ever ask about the hope within if you're just a tyrant or you're nasty or you're judgmental or you're mean or you're mouthy or you're angry all the time? Let's get the Holy Spirit to start changing us. By the way, I am 60 and I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. I'm still got so much stuff to grow in. Oh, by the way, do you like my new hair? It's my latest change. My barber said, makes you look younger. My whole life I've been trying to look older to get some respect. Now I've got to look younger to get some respect. But I, I joke about it, but I want to be a person who grows and who changes. And it wasn't me trying to, my hairdresser, she's, here's some good advice. At the prayer time this morning, one of the guys, here's some good advice. Here's what maybe you could say in this sermon. I want to grow. By the way, that's a new development for me. I used to be pretty mind made, my, mind made up what my opinions was and what I should do. We throw around a statement in our church and it's uh, changing hearts and changing lives. I believe an uh, a church with changed hearts, changed lives is an attractive church. And it's key to being a global movement that can be used by God to be instruments of righteousness. We can push back the gates of hell. When you and me are connecting with God, abiding with him, being transformed, filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever heard of Carrie Newarf? Now, usually it's probably only pastor types that I think all the staff are always reading his stuff. He's a Canadian from Ontario. Uh, he was a Pentecost Assemblies of Canada, fairly good, healthy, growing church. And he's now become kind of a church growth guy, trying to help the church improve. And so I, I've been reading a lot of his stuff lately, and he, he often writes uh, uh, three signs of a dying church. So I kind of read through a bunch of his stuff, but I just wanted to point out a few of them now. 
the first one is just so telling. And a, a dying church is, your church has become fixated on being your church, my church. I will not let my church, my church will never, my church will never have blue pews. My church will never, it's, it's your church, it's my church. It's all about us. And that it, even, even corporate world knows when it becomes about their company and not about what they do, they're doomed. When our church becomes about me, about you, about us being happy and the temperature just for us. Now, we, tried to, we, we built a beautiful building here, but I will honestly say my motive as pastor was to attract the community. And sure enough, they come in and go, wow, this is incredible, I'd like to come here. And I want you to enjoy yourself too, but that's not why we did it. It's not about us. The, the, right from the beginning of this church, when they wanted to build a new building, they said, we want to be a blessing to our city. Right now, we have an elementary school that's renting our kids' wing during the week. We want to be a blessing to our community. We want people to come in here and go, you know, and I'll admit, we're a little manipulative. I'm sorry to explain. We'll sometimes have our video things going. We'll put posters up inviting people to church. Another sign that your church is dying. Now this is a pandemic or a post-pandemic statement. Bringing people back, in other words, oh, if we could just get what we had. That applies for the church. I, when I was pastoring in Luceland, they would always talk about the 1950s. I was there in 1998. They'd be always talking about the 50s. Oh, the 50s. We'd have more people coming out Sunday night than Sunday morning. We'd have him sing going on for an hour. The Holy Spirit was there. If we could just be like that again. And it's like, no. <laughs> Bringing people back or looking backwards instead of moving people forward. So we as an elders board and as a staff, we're asking, where should we be going where should we, and I really believe this sermon this morning is so key that everybody individually has to start abiding with Christ. That's what's going to change us. That's what's going to project and propel us. The final symptom that your church is dying. Your relationship with God has gone flat. Now, I'm not talking about individually, but in the church, it's just flat. It's just not there. Now, I was chairman of a Bible camp in Saskatchewan for a few years, and I found out the history of the camp. It was Lucine Bible Camp, and uh, it had started, I believe, somewhere around 1930s, and it originally was an alliance camp. Now, if you didn't know, when you came in the building, you saw the emblem in the floor. It really represents who the alliance was, and I hope it's something we're regaining again. We've always been a deeper Christian life movement. In other words, we've always been about repentance. We've always been about connecting with God. We've always been about the Holy Spirit's filling and guiding. It's what we've always been about. So as I looked at the history of the camp, I started hearing stories from the really old people. And they would say, like 1930s, people would bring their whole family on their wagon. I mean, there wasn't vehicles. It was just the Depression. They'd bring their whole families on their wagon. They would ride for a whole day 
They would have food and everything, and they'd be eating. They would get to the camp, and they would stay there for an entire week. And good old Alliance camp, the whole week, the speaker would preach about repentance. He'd preach about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There'd be altar calls. Saturday night, last night of the camp, after everybody was kind of cleaned up and filled up and and leading and listening to the Holy Spirit, and they, they in humility, were going to do whatever God wanted, then they would take an offering for missions. This is Acts 1.8. This is what the church is about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere, Jesus said, until the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes, and then you'll be my witnesses. It isn't about a great outreach program, although we try to do our best. It isn't about our brochures going door to door. It isn't about making ourselves look good. It's about you and me connecting with God one-on-one and being transformed. I'm part of mentoring a bunch of pastors in church renewal. Uh, Three-quarters of the pastors I mentor right now didn't get to go to Southland. I mean, I went to Southland, and, and I've told you guys for my first auto, it's just a bunch of nice Mennonites. And maybe you're a man and I go, I don't know for that. And I know, that's what I thought. But I began to realize as the story unfolded that it was more than just a bunch. These are people, the church really worked hard with hearing God set free, uh, with some good mentoring material to get people connecting with God and hearing his voice and being led and submissive and all that kind of stuff. And what happened is it was a changed, transformed church. You could see it on their faces. It was unbelievable. So my mentoring group, the problem is they've never seen that, so they're really operating by faith. They've heard about it. They've, they've heard me talk about it. But I can tell you that this church is starting to change. Doug, from the district office, just came and did another soul care for us. He made the comment to Pastor Rod. He said, this church is changing. I am so excited. And it's not my preaching. I'm still the same old guy. We haven't built anything lately. We haven't added any more programs per se. What's changing is we're starting to abide in Jesus one-on-one. I'm starting to listen to him more and more when I preach. And it's really starting to make a difference. We're starting to love each other. Oh, the pandemic has stretched us, that's for sure. But we're almost like the old alliance. We're almost like Acts 1-8 now. So in conclusion, let me read Hebrews 2, verse 1 again. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message was spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedient received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation. Let's make a choice today. Now you're wondering, why did you preach this sermon here now? Well, number one, if we're gonna be a mission church reaching Grand Prairie and the world, we need to get ourselves. I need to get myself right with God. I need to be abiding and listening and doing his will. 
And when that happens, then we will. I mean, there's going to be stuff birthing out of the pew all over the place. Somebody's going to come to me and say, I feel like I should go to China. And somebody's going to come to me and I want to open up a blah, 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 downtown Grand Prairie. And it's just going to be, I think God's leading me for this. And I think God's leading me for that. Or or, uh, Ruth will be up here saying, we've got a short, we do have a short-term missions team that's going to go to Mexico. And and it's got a lineup of people going. That's what's happening in Southland. Southland no longer does volunteer ask ever they never ask for volunteers they say yeah we're doing kids club this summer boom 200 people sign up and they only have 50 spots because we're abiding in christ marriages are restored relationships are thriving people are forgiving each other that's what the church is to be and you it will never happen until you and i start abiding in jesus So summer's coming. I'll tell you what happens in my summer. I always go, okay, this is going to be a great holiday. I'm going to take an hour every day and take my Bible and go up into the boathouse, so to speak. I get back from holidays, realize I didn't even open my Bible. So I'm challenging you now. Make a choice to spend time with God on holidays. It's going to be tough. All your family's there. The boat's ready to go, the fish are biting, whatever it is. And now you're getting hungry. The burgers are made, ready to eat. Let's abide in Christ this summer. So that when we come back in the fall, or when we run our kids' camp, it's full of volunteers. That we're ready to get out of the gate here. Because the Holy Spirit's leading us. It's not Pastor Anthony leading us. It's the Holy Spirit saying to you, and you being obedient... And it's going incredible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this communion table, I want to thank you what the cross really does represent. That you, Jesus, 33 years of age, the top of your career, you laid down your life so that I could have life. You reconciled me to the Father. You have gone to heaven so the Holy Spirit could come and dwell inside of me. Be my counselor. Be the one who gives me power to overcome, to grow, to mature, so that I can be a witness. So that I can reach wherever you reach me to, God. And I can be obedient to whatever you call me to be obedient to. And I don't do it always right. I mess up and sometimes don't give the money to the person that I should have because I get so focused on talking over you, God. And even right now, I believe you're going to speak to people and say, you know, let's set a time to get together and talk. (laughs) Maybe it's in the evening just before you go to sleep, but but I believe, Holy Spirit, that you want to talk to us. You want to lead us. You want to guide us. (laughs) And Lord, if some people struggle with this, may they come out to our hearing God this fall. But God, we don't need to wait for hearing. We can start now. And so today we're going to commit afresh and anew to hearing your voice. So as we take communion, prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.